On today's episode of The Door Report, powered by Alaco Finewood Floors, we're joined by Coach Ron Bargatze, the former legendary Vanderbilt basketball coach under Roy Skinner. He joins us to discuss Scottie Pippen Jr.'s return to Nashville and also how some of the name, image, and likeness potential for him and Vanderbilt University might play into his decision to return and how this season might go for Vanderbilt basketball under Coach Stackhouse. We've got all that and much more coming right up here on The Door Report, powered by Alaco Fine Wood Floors. Let's ride. Today's breaking news is brought to you by the Recycling Dudes. You may ask, who are the Recycling Dudes? Well, they're brothers Graydon and Chapman and their dad. Drew Smith, who is a Metro Nashville firefighter living in Westmead. The Recycling Dudes recognize the need for a service that would take glass to the recycling for busy homeowners who care about our environment. They pick up your glass, separate it, and take it to be recycled. They offer monthly service as well as one-time party pickup, starting as low as $10 per month. All you have to do is sign up on their website at RecyclingDudes.com. Welcome back into the Door Report. It is episode 94. It is July 11th, 2021. We are, as always, presented by Alaco Finewood Floors. Well, we have entered the dog days. And it's, uh, yes, it's as sad as it is, we are about 50 days away from football, so it's not going to be a marathon, but uh, it's going to be a little bit of uh, a shorter period to football season, but we have entered the dog days, but we have news. We have a couple things to talk about, especially Scottie Pippen Jr. coming back, which I think was a pleasant surprise for a lot of Andy fans, and also tonight's MLB draft, Jack Leiter to the Rangers, Kumo Rocker to the Mets, so a little bit... Uh, more to talk about than we might have thought tonight. Yeah, the Vandy boys just gets the gift that keeps on giving as far as being able to talk about stuff and giving us content <laughs> to talk about because they made yeah. the run in Omaha and then uh, the MLB <laughs> draft continues a little later than normally. But, uh, man, Scotty Pippen returning, its that's something that Ooh. I think I was a little more pessimistic on than even you or I, I thought for sure. And, that, and that'll kind of lead us into talking about the, the name, image, likeness and being able, able to profit off that and how that may actually – benefit college athletics a little bit more than a lot of fans are really, really taking into account. Right. I think Pippen Jr. That definitely played into his decision. And we'll talk about some of the factors that played into his decision. And uh, we'll also touch on uh, what Dylan DeSue might be thinking uh, right now as Scotty Pippen Jr. (laughs) decides to come back. Will, uh, I had a great conversation with coach Ron Bargatze. He will join the pod a little bit later, obviously coached at Vanderbilt and, uh, you know, has been a fixture in the Nashville area in the basketball scene for a long time but before we get to the breaking news don't forget to follow us on twitter at door underscore report and instagram door dot report like us on facebook subscribe to our youtube channel our podcast is available on anchor itunes spotify and google Podcasts. and while you're at it go give our podcast five stars and review on itunes it's now time for breaking news all right will how about scotty pippen jr coming back Pleasant surprise for all Vanderbilt fans out there, especially both of us. Uh, I think we didn't really talk much about him and his potential uh, to come back, but this is just amazing news for Coach Stackhouse. He announced last Wednesday night that he will return for his third year at Vanderbilt. I would guess his last at Vanderbilt. Uh, he started 53 of 44 games played. He was um, all SEC last season, ranked second in the league in scoring 21 points a game. Uh, he set a school record for sophomores, also seventh highest scoring season program in season in program history. So he's he's 
he's elevating himself in the record books at Vanderbilt basketball as we speak. I can't imagine where he's going to be after next season in the record books, but will. I mean, just massive news and news that both of us did not expect. So um, what's your reaction and maybe how he how this could impact the team coming into next year? Well, first, when Dylan DeSue transferred and Scottie Pippen said he would be testing the waters without an agent, I thought it was a foregone conclusion that, that he was gone. Um, and it wasn't until pretty recently with the new NIL um, ruling and, and everything with that being implemented in beginning uh, July 1st that a little bit of an inkling in my mind started thinking, well, maybe I'm ready to get hurt again. Might as well get my hopes up um, just in time after after the Mandy boys uh, lose to Mississippi State. Let's get my hopes up about Scottie Pippen now. It's just classic. Um, <laughs> but, but what first actually piqued my interest, I don't know if he accidentally posted it or what it was, but he posted on his Instagram. Um, I, I yes. think he saw it and we posted it to our Twitter yeah. that that he would be open to uh, name, image, and likeness and reaching out to contact for anything associated with that in the Nashville area or whatever it, or whatever it was. We have that on our Twitter, the actual post, and then deleted it. I don't think he meant to post that. I, I think no. that was a draft no. sitting there um, that yeah. he had ready to go because he was leaning in that direction. And then it turned out that that actually was a precursor for what happened. And yes. thankfully he's back. And Dylan DeSue, I think, uh, maybe would have made his decision a little bit differently had he known Pippen yeah. would be back but this is bringing back 21 points a game probably an early contender for sec player of the year and you can't overemphasize just the eyes on the program um, that he's going to bring mm -hmm. back because he is a name um he's even though he was a three-star coming in he's performed so well and his dad is scotty pippen so that brings yes. something along with it um and, and this name image and likeness stuff billy i'm sure you've got some thoughts on pippen on the yeah. actual court but um, it, it gets me back thinking to Kenyon Martin Jr., who was actually committed mm -hmm. in that class alongside Dylan DeSue and oh, Scottie Pippen. He actually he actually elected to play overseas instead of going the college route, likely mm -hmm. to cash in on his talent early. So this is kind of an interesting development and something that I hadn't really thought about, that players may be a little more encouraged to return back to school because they don't feel like they have to go pro to cash in right now um, on their talent. Yeah, and Will, I go back to what you just said about uh, Pippen Jr. and and kind of his his leaked tweet, I guess you know of, of him uh, discussing what he might want to do with with the name, image, and likeness things. And I didn't think much of that initially. I, I me personally, I was thinking, okay, that's probably not much of a big deal. He might be trying to cash in of what he can until he um, you know you know just maintains his declaration of the NBA draft. But I mean, this I think this is monumental for not only him in the city of Nashville, but also Vanderbilt and their program and their athletic department, because I think there's, I think his decision to come back was a lot based on this NIL and his, and his possibilities of what he can do, because you mentioned his last name is Pippen. He's Scotty Pippen Jr. He's Scotty Pippen's son. <laughs> I mean, that, that, that reigns true with a lot of people and he's in Nashville. So there's mold, there's an amplitude of opportunities for him to cash in on this NIL and we could go, we, we have a whole podcast to, to, you know, we could have a whole podcast on this topic, but Will, I mean, he, this, this has to, in his mind, he's thinking, I, I'm going to make more money staying at Vanderbilt and, and cashing in on my name brand and my image and likeness, as opposed to, you know, signing a smaller contract at a G League level. So I think that's where he's at right now. And I can't blame him, you know, I mean, nat natural instinct kind of tells you that that's what he was thinking about. And I heard that there was a conversation between him and Dylan DeSue um, earlier, you know, before Dylan DeSue transferred. And you got to believe DeSue is kicking himself right now because imagine them two, both of them coming back, 
in Nashville and the, the implications there. So um, I really I don't think there's a ton at play in terms of him with this team. I'm not sure how much better they're going to be. I know he's joining Liam Robbins, the transfer from Minnesota, and then obviously Ronnie Chapman coming over from Dayton or uh, yes, yeah, from Dayton. But will I mean him being able to cash in on these opportunities, I think, are, are endless. Yeah, the the impact on the court, I, I don't think this jumps Vanderbilt from being a bottom feeder, which no offense, they probably would have been down 13th, 14th, similar to yeah. last season. Um, no matter how hard they played, it's just the, the talent level and the youth and then experience. I, I think this puts the expectations not up to, oh, we're going to compete for the SEC championship now. Not, not whatsoever, but it puts you in the thought of this can be the first team in a while that can be middle of the pack and, and be actually competitive in the stackhouse era. Out. Yeah. Yeah. In the stackhouse stackhouse era and maybe not play in the first round games. I think that is a good goal for this Vanderbilt yes. team this upcoming season. And that's how I'm going to judge stackhouse because um, to not play in those first round games of the sec tournament, um, yeah, just because and, they have, they have, they've played what it's been four or five straight seasons that they've been playing in those opening on round that games. Wednesday night, the first yep. game. And they haven't, you know, they've been able to get out of it. They, they were able to get out of it last year, but yep. it, it was a small step forward, you know, in, cool. in a lot of people's minds. So I think the, what their goal should be is, is making the NIT. I mean, I, I think that's, that could be a reasonable goal. And, and yes, I think they're, they're a little bit behind maybe some Vandy fans expectations, but with these two recruits coming in next year also, I think Stackhouse finally getting his guys in. And, uh, and we'll see. I mean, Pippen coming back, it brings some excitement. And, and it brings some cachet. And it brings some people to their feet. And, and, and thinking, hey, Stackhouse is, 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 is continuing to build. And he's still here. <laughs> he's, he's still there building. And, and, and uh, bringing in to... Dort and Shelby. Uh, yes. coming in and that an incredible class coming in after this so this yeah because we talked about before it, it's hard because you haven't really been able to judge stackhouse because he hasn't really had a lot of a lot of talent on that roster since right. he's been there and a lot of things really kind of out of his control with injuries um and different things like that that he can't really control so we haven't been able to get a good judge on is stackhouse the guy is he a good coach um, or not necessarily a good coach but a guy that is going to be a good fit at Vanderbilt and work out long-term. And I think Pippen coming back allows us to really evaluate him a little bit more with, with that talented class. coming too. Right. And, and you got to believe that this was also part of his, his relationship with Stackhouse and, and, and how much of a player's coach he is and, and how players do want to play for him. And, and if, if, if you're recruited by Stackhouse, I think as a player, you're going to stick with them and you're going to be there for, for the long haul. So um, it's going to be interesting. We're, it'll be interesting to see what uh, what plays out, obviously, with um, with this NIL implications with Stackhouse, but also uh, what kind of product is put on the floor. So uh, we'll continue to monitor that. But, Will, let's roll into a little bit of baseball uh, before we get into Ron Bargatze. Uh, I mean, no shock, Jack Leiter and, and Kumo Rocker go in the top ten. Jack Leiter, let's start with him. He goes number two overall to the Texas Rangers. Uh, at 21 years old, he went 11 and four, 2.13 ERA. Aver he averaged nearly 15 strikeouts per nine innings. I mean, his stats are off the charts. And from my point of view, well, I think he pitched better this year than Rocker. I, I'm not. I don't think that's a um, a bold statement. But he, I think a lot of scouts were looking at him and saying he's hot right now. He's coming off only one year at Vanderbilt, one full year at Vanderbilt, and he's the more polished product. Uh, and being the son of Al Leiter, I mean, that that's that's that says a lot right there. And and his kind of determination and and you know confidence that that he carries. So 
I think for lighter, this is a great landing spot, you know, being in Texas, a team that, that is struggling right now. And I'm not saying he's going to have a chance to get to the bigs this season. You've seen that a little bit with college guys, but um, great landing spot for lighter. And, and the most dominant streak of the season was his 20 consecutive hitless innings. Uh, and it, that was it started on the no hitter March 20th against South Carolina. So, Will, his stats are off the charts. His makeup is off the charts. And I couldn't think of a better landing spot uh, for the young Jack Leiter there at number two. Yeah, we, we, I think it was a little bit of a dream to say at the beginning at one point we we're thinking possibly number one and number two overall for both uh, Leiter yeah. and Rocker. But un unfortunately, things just didn't work out that way. So it wasn't an unprecedented, but still having the two guys. I, in I the will top say, 10. Will, the Mets got an absolute steal with Rocker. At that's, 10. that's what I was about to say. I was, it, yeah. it was four pitchers were drafted ahead of him. Um, yeah, it, I which mean, is that insane. is including that is including Jack Leiter, who I do think, like you mentioned, I, Rocker has the raw power, but he takes a while to get to the plate. That that's a, that was a big knock yeah. on him. I'm not an MLB draft analyst. That's just reading the mock drafts and why Jack Leiter has has jumped over him. He has more pitches, already a little more polished. Maybe won't take as long to develop um, and, and come through the farm system there wherever yeah. he does land. But, I mean, both guys, I think, are pretty developed as far as I think you will see them kind of moving up at least into AAA ball relatively quickly. Um, um, a lot quicker than some of the guys that I think were taken ahead of Rocker, including someone straight out of high school, which right. I don't know. Maybe he's the next. <laughs> maybe he's the next. Um, the next the great, guy. The great pitcher there at, for the Detroit Tigers, Justin the Verlander, or something one. like that. Yeah, he's next Verlander for them. But um, <laughs> uh, man, I just can't imagine that that taking someone at that spot and seeing Rocker and him following to them at number ten. Yeah. And uh, the MLB network analysts were saying it was possibly the steal of the entire draft, which oh, it, it's it, hard for me. It's hard for me to disagree when most mock drafts have them going top six, absolute bottom of the barrel. Yeah. And for the Mets, I mean, yes, they're struggling right now, but for them to get Rocker at 10 is an absolute dream. I mean, they, they were probably sitting there licking their chops saying there's no one else we can pick right now other than Kumar Rocker. And for much as, as a lot of people were talking around college baseball about Jack Leiter this season, Rocker was the guy that was kind of, you know, slipped through the cracks and saying, no, I'm still here. I'm still uh, pitching here at Vanderbilt and, and still a dominant prospect. But yeah, he now, came into think, the year at the number one overall spot. And yeah. he did, he just kind of like, he performed so well. And, and you're kind of wondering what really happened as he kind yeah. of slid down draft boards and you're like, are you guys watching games? Like what, what yeah. did you think he was going to come out and look like? Like right, he's pitching, right. Uh, you know, right around a 2.0 ERA and he just kept yeah. sliding down draft boards what, for, yeah, so for whatever reason. <laughs> for whatever reason, for whatever scouts reason, were, scouts thought Rocker didn't have it this year. You know, it wasn't wasn't not. at his A game. But well, what I was going to say about Rocker was now everybody's talking about him. I think the talk is about Rocker in this draft and how late he did fall. And I would love to be a fly on the wall in some of those draft rooms of the fifth, sixth, seventh, eighth, ninth picks. What what are they thinking? What are they saying in that moment? But I mean, he finished his junior year. I mean, he helped lead Vanderbilt to runner-up finish in the, in the in the College World Series finals. He went 14-4, and four, struck out 179 batters. I mean, they're, they're, the stats are there for Rocker as well. It's not like he was way behind Leiter in the stats, but right now they're talking about Rocker, and they're, they're, they're saying, okay, that's a perfect spot for him in New York to pitch under the bright lights there, and their fans are rambunctious. I mean, the Mets love their baseball up there. So, well, I will ask you, though, who do you think has the higher ceiling? Do you think it's Rocker because of how much of a bulldog he is or 
would you say lighter because of how how polished he is and and kind of um, the potential he has? I think probably Jack Leiter, and that's why he was drafted above. I think right now, if you had to choose one of them, I don't know, I don't want to say what I was about to say, which is if you had to choose one (laughs) to go out and throw one inning in a Major League Baseball game right now, who would you choose? I think it would be a pretty split decision um, between a lot of people who they would choose for a one inning, just just three batters, what kind of stuff do they have? But I think Leiter has potential to maybe be a – an ace and a higher higher potential and less potential to become a relief pitcher like Rocker does. Right, right. If he cannot, sorry, I could not find the words there, but if he can't <laughs> develop a good fourth pitch, unfortunately right. Rocker would be, you know, sent to the bullpen. That's not necessarily a horrible thing, but end up being a closing pitcher and that's just not valued as highly. Yeah. And I don't think Leiter holds that risk because he already does have four pitches. Right. Maybe they're not the most polished, but they're already there and you just don't have that risk associated and maybe he slid down the board because you see it in the NFL draft, which is a lot more televised than everything else. But yeah. you'll see a guy that was projected to be a you know top 10 pick sliding down draft boards and other teams think, well, why didn't this team pick them? If they didn't pick them, maybe they know something we don't, maybe passing on right. them. And to an extent, Rocker's a known commodity. <laughs> a lot more than lighter. You've seen pitch for one season. And a lot of times that's that's not the sexy pick. He's pitched a lot. You've seen what he has. And you know his limitations as opposed to being a guy with, you know, a limitless ceiling, like when you're taking a uh, right-handed pitcher straight out of high school or or a guy that you've only seen for a year, like Leiter, that maybe maybe you think has a higher ceiling. But uh, yeah. I think it's just honestly fatigue of seeing Rocker. And I don't want to say that because these are professional MO draft yeah. scouts, but he's been number one on your draft board since he was in high school. Like you gotta, right. if you look at something long enough, you're going to find something wrong with it, with right. a player or something. And I think that might be it. He's been number one and at the top for four years yeah. and hasn't really shown any real weaknesses in his game. You, you hit it head on, Will. I mean, it was, it was, it was rocker fatigue and, and people were finally finding uh, loopholes in, in, you know, whatever they could with his pitching, but with rocker, he's got that chip on his shoulder now drops to 10th. He's pitching in New York, and he's got the city of New York behind him, and they love him. They, they love him, and obviously they love uh, Leiter now in Texas. But you mentioned the NFL draft. He's the son of a former elite college football player, Tracy Rocker. So he's, he has that type of mentality, that football mentality where I'm not losing, and I'm going to win. he's built like a linebacker too. Right. I'm gonna, <laughs> yeah, I mean, he's 6'5", 245. The guy's a monster. Um, so w- when he's on the mound, he's looking to win the game, obviously as every pitcher is, but he's looking to dominate you and not hope, you know, make you wish you never picked up a baseball bat again. So, um, I'm really excited to see rocker in New York tough being a Braves fan, uh, seeing him, we're going to oh, be seeing man. him a lot. <laughs> it's, it's been a tough week as a Braves fan as is it, with it, injury it to really Acuna. Has. So I don't want to put any salt in any wounds right now. If you're a, if you're a Bengals fan did. and a Braves fan, but man, that, that was you, brutal uh, to see. You just poured the salt in the wound a little bit there, but, <laughs> but congrats to both of them. I mean, the, we're not going to be seeing them in a Vanderbilt uniform anymore, which is kind of sad. Uh, no rocker on Friday nights, no lighter on Saturday, but, um, the guys that are up next are Christian Little, Pat Riley and and uh, and the rest of the young guys uh, at Vanderbilt. So it's going to be fun to see those guys uh, develop through the system. But will it's time to send it over to our interview portion? I know you were not able to uh, to join me here with Coach Ron Bargatze, but it's always fun to catch up with him. And we talked a lot about uh, the name, image, and likeness uh, possibilities with Scotty Pippen Jr. in Nashville, and also what his return means. Uh, for uh, for Coach Stackhouse and Vanderbilt. So we've got Coach Ron Bargatze coming up 
here on the Door Report, powered by Alaco Fine Wood Floors. Before we get into the interview with Coach Ron Bargatze, it's now time to send it over to Gary Scales for a few words on our presenting sponsor, Alaco Fine Wood Floors. No matter what style you're going for, you can trust your flooring job to Alaco Fine Wood Floors. Take a walk through the woods in your home every day. Get your flooring job started today by calling 615-356-0303. Alaco Fine Wood Floors. Craftsmanship you can stand on. Welcome back into the Door Report. I'm Billy Derrick, and I am now happy to be joined by today's special guest. His name is Coach Ron Bargatze, the legendary former college basketball coach at Belmont, Tennessee Tech, Vanderbilt, Trevecca, and Austin P. He also had a long career in sports broadcasting. He served as the radio color analyst for Vanderbilt basketball for a long time. Also, OVC basketball and TSSAA football and basketball for over 30 years. Always great uh, to have Coach Bargatze on. Coach B, thanks for coming on again. Uh, thanks, Billy. Glad to be here. Coach, I want to start. There's been obviously um, a lot going on in the college baseball uh, sphere, especially locally here in Nashville. And how much of, uh, of the Vanderbilt baseball run were you uh, were able to catch uh, in the College World Series? Well, you know, you can only imagine. I, I didn't miss a single inning. Of, uh, <laughs> I tried not to. I missed a few, but I didn't mean to. Uh, I tell you, that was a uh, – it seemed like the, it was in the cards, and they came out and went one game one of the series. But I'll tell you, I did, I did not think they were the better team. I thought the, the better team won. Right, and I think a lot of people would agree with you, the experience and, and you know, everything Mississippi State had going for them, that, that, uh, that definitely played into it. But we, we came here, we brought you on to, to dive into college basketball and, and uh, you know, kind of noticing that Scottie Pippen Jr. returning to Vanderbilt was obviously some, a big piece of news. And I think some people were surprised, um, you know, to, to see him announce coming back and, um, who knows what, what went into his decision, but um, what, does, what does that mean uh, from your perspective with, with Pippen Jr. coming back for Coach Stackhouse and Vanderbilt uh, for his third year? Well, I think it's great that, uh, that Scotty came back because uh, he's one of the premier guards in the SEC. I thought he improved. Uh, he was better in the first year than I thought he would be, and I thought he really upped his game and improved a lot in year two. And I think he'll do that again. Uh, one thing that bothers me, I wish Dylan DeSue had not jumped ship yep. and gone to Texas, but uh, I'd like to have seen those two guys be the centerpiece and the, uh, the, the, the straw that stirs the drink for Vandy Singh. I'm so unaware of some of the other guys coming in. It's hard for me to be either pessimistic or optimistic about how good they'll be in year one, but but Pippen gives him a chance to come in and, and uh, a little bit longer leash on improving uh, themselves and to help Vandy's team. Coach, with, with DeSue, you mentioned him uh, deciding to transfer to Texas, his hometown school. What, what do you think? Obviously, this is a new, a new time in college athletics, uh, especially with the name, image, and likeness uh, news breaking last week. We'll touch on that a little bit later. But what do you think went into those decisions? One, for, for DeSue to transfer – um, in a young kid's mind, what is he going through in that regard? Obviously, everybody's different. Um, and then for Pippen Jr., uh, what do you think went into his decision, uh, especially, you know, you've got so many different factors going into these, these players' minds. So 
Um, what do you think went into those two players' decisions to sue, to transfer, and then Pippen uh, to return to campus? Well, it, it seems like uh, a lot of highly touted players, uh, particularly through AAU independent basketball, and then on the college level, have a lot of a lot of people around them. They have a posse, you know. They got their their three or four people that they depend on for different things. And right. and I don't know if that's good or bad. It, in in my opinion, though, uh, the whole wild wild west of transfer portals and players moving, to me, I don't like it at all. Uh, I still wish that Kurt Flood hadn't come along and <laughs> caused free agency in baseball because I, I had memorized every starting lineup of every team for so long. It just seemed like it diluted it, and this dilutes it even further uh, to have that easy movement from one school to the other. Yeah, you just touched on the wild, wild west. I know a lot of people are, are kind of comparing that to what is going on and what will be going on in the future with college athletics uh, with the name, image, and likeness um, policy and whatever you want to call it now being implemented. How do you think that could impact not just college basketball, but college football, college baseball, and a lot of the – and even some of these smaller sports? How are you looking at this, Coach, especially because, you know, you coached uh, for – 30 you know over you know you announced know, for over 30 years but you coach for a long time also so you've been around the game for a couple different generations um how do you think this might impact um college athletics and and do you see it um kind of taking time to to progress and people just trying to wrap their minds around it well i think it puts a grand canyon between the uh the top tier of the power five conference teams uh, because it separates them even further. Now, we can always lean on the upsets and March Madness, but in basketball, you have a lot of the uh, regional teams that can put together the right lineup and really get hot at tournament time and beat some really highly touted programs. But I think you can take the even 25 to 30 uh, athletic programs across the country that make a lot of money and, and it kind of plays into their hand and the rich will get richer. And I think the, it really creates a bigger divide between them and the other schools in particular, uh, the teams that we follow, follow around here uh, outside of the SEC, uh, primarily uh, the teams that in the Ohio Valley conference and, uh, you know, Middle Tennessee and Tennessee Tech and and uh, Belmont and Murray State and some really good programs around uh, here. But it's ridiculous to think that that uh, the school makes any money off of those people. Most of the people, most of the schools operate in 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 the red, uh, in a deficit position, and they can't. Uh, it, it's going to set up a, uh, an opportunity for more cheating uh, for the teams that were able to buy players uh, along the way. And there are a lot of big programs that have historically been able to, to do things different ways to entice players to come. But if you've got a, a, a pool of people out there that support a school and they can raise the money to help them have these benefits, I, I, I just can't imagine how it's good for all of college athletics at all. 
Yeah, Coach, we also, obviously, we touched on Pippen Jr. coming back and, and what went into that decision. From my perspective, you got to believe that he looked at this name, image, and likeness coming out, and he kind of thinks, okay, I might be able to make more money coming back to college off of my own brand as opposed to uh, signing a, you know, a smaller deer deal at a G League level um, or, or a smaller level of, of basketball. Um, do you think, you know, he's, he's looking at this and saying, hey, I can make a decent chunk of money staying at Vanderbilt, uh, especially with this being my third year and having the name already that he does and being in the city of Nashville? And, and what kind of ways do you think he might be able to take advantage of that? Well, another thing it does, it pits the, uh, the athletic development people, the, the Commodore Club people, the, at Belmont, the Bruin Club people, uh, it, it pits them against the money that's going to be paid players. They're trying to raise money for athletics and to offset scholarship costs and that sort of thing. But if, if a, a lot of overzealous supporters would rather give the money to the school to pay the benefits for their best players. And I think you've got probably one of the most difficult enforcement situations coming up in the NIL that we could ever have. Uh, I've ever even seen a even a, a smidgen of over the years. I, I just think it's a, a horrible thing. How many players actually make money off their likeness? You may, you may can get 100 to 150 max kids around the country who are athletically strong enough uh, and are used to sell tickets or raise money who are, who are capable uh, of, of getting that done. Most all the athletes, if there's 30,000 college athletes in the country, you've got less than 200 of them who are really uh, in a position to for the school to make money off them by using their likeness. Uh, so I think it's a very imbalanced thing. I don't like it at all. So you just hit the two nerves I have for college <laughs> athletics, and that is, number one, is the NIL situation. And uh, number two, uh, what's happening across the country from our from standpoint of players switching schools? T two things that I never thought I'd see in my lifetime. And I'm getting a little old, so you know how those crotchety old people are. They don't like to see change. <laughs> and I certainly don't think these are good changes for college athletics. Well, I think a lot of people, you know, even that are younger than you uh, would would agree, you know, with everything going on right now. But, Coach, that, that brings me kind of to the NCAA's decision because this was their decision. Um, and I'm with you. I think being surprised, I'm surprised personally by their decision to, to do this at least so early um, and even at all in, in the way in which they're doing it. Um, so it will be interesting to see how it plays out. But also from a coach's point of view, how does how do you think this might change their their um, you know their their ways of dealing with players and and maybe some of these personalities because the players are almost at at this point it seems like building their own brands that might you know surpass their coach's own brand not that a coach really cares about his brand as much as the player you know will because the player is going to be moving on to the NBA but from a coach's point of view coach if you were coaching today how would you deal with some of these things and and in talking to some of these players about, you know, some of the money they might be able to make. I don't know how, how it handled it. I have no idea because I always felt like the coach player relationship was dependent on some, some 
very foundational things. And, and uh, I think it now it also takes the coach player relationship and turns it around, flips it a little bit because uh, where's the money coming from and, and how is it administered? How do they pay a guy? Uh, at to what level does he get paid uh, for the school using his likeness? I've always felt like it was very sound uh, amateurism for people to get a scholarship and go to school without having to pay a penny in most cases and, and think that they deserve more. I, I think that, that that provides them a chance to move into everything we do generally is, thinks the, you start your career at age 21 to 24, somewhere in there. And uh, the, having amateurism in its purest form allows them to continue uh, to learn and develop the cynics out there always say uh, that'll take two or three cases and say and broad brush it as if it applies to everyone. I don't agree with that at all. I think that uh, the coach player relationship is one of the fundamental building blocks of a guy getting ready to go into whatever career he chooses. And if you've got, uh, you know, there, there are 60 guys drafted in college basketball now into the NBA and uh, most of them, I'd say a, four, a third of them never make it. And then you've got a huge influx of foreign players now. And let's take using the NBA as an example, where they're coming in and, and out of those 60 guys, you're going to get 20, 25, 30 in that range of foreign players to come in and take those jobs. The, they're making a rules for a very small number of people. And I think when you do that, then you've got a very lopsided situation to enforce. Well, I like how you touched on the coach-player relationship also, because, you know, we've seen over the past few years that Coach Stackhouse has been able, um, you know, to form a relationship with, with some of his players, in particular Aaron Neesmith, obviously, who's in the NBA with Boston right now. Uh, you've seen his relationship with Saban Lee, uh, you know, kind of elevate them into the NBA. And, and we're seeing that now with Scottie Pippen Jr. You, you talked about the importance of it. How much more do you think he can do that? And, and obviously, you know, Vanderbilt fans are expecting a lot more uh, from Coach Stackhouse. They, they need a little bit more from him. He won one more game in the SEC last season uh, in the SEC tournament. Um, you know, still won only three games in, in, uh, in the regular season. But for him, Coach, and, and kind of moving forward, what are, what, are, what are some of the things he might be able to improve on? And, and uh, from a Vanderbilt fan's perspective, say, hey, okay, he's improving on this. So things are looking up. Well, one thing that Coach Stackhouse is faced with, and as are most of the schools in the country, is, is maintaining and, and retaining their players. Uh, you know, you had the one and duns that came in and really affected how long you could count on guys being there and playing uh, in the program. And now you've got all this movement from one school to the next. And then you've got the situation of who's getting paid and the, the, the intangible tug of war that causes between different players on the team. Who, who determines how much their likeness is worth? How do they get paid? How does, where do you stop in having a guy uh, who, who may be a great third or fourth best player on a, on a college basketball team who really contributes a lot and a lot of intangibles, who's not nearly as flashy or a prospect and uh, that guy that's got the high upside is getting paid on his potential. 
instead of getting paid for how you contribute to a team. So uh, I just think it's a, a bass awkward sort of thing. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that, that's, that's, what, that's the way a lot of people are looking at it, I know. Um, but, Coach, we're running out of time here. I do want to touch on some football. Uh, I know you're mostly a basketball guy, but you did call uh, some TSSAA football, and, and, you know, you're a big sports guy in general. I want to ask you about Coach Clark Lee coming in in his first season uh, with Vanderbilt. Obviously, they didn't win any games last year, but coming into this season, what are you personally expecting out of him and maybe in the future down the road uh, with Coach Lee at the helm uh, on West End? Well, I think that uh, there's a lot of excitement around, and there should be because I think Clark takes a different approach to it. He's a Vanderbilt guy. He's a hometown guy. He's put together a really good staff. I love the fact that uh, that he's got uh, Bart Simmons there with him, yeah. who is a recruiting guru of sorts. And uh, and I like the way Clark goes about things. I just uh, I've known his family forever and. And uh, his dad's a good friend of mine. And uh, his sister, Eva, I tried to kind of help her get a job back in the day and mm -hmm. really am loyal to that family. So I'm excited about it. I think it's going to be a different approach than anybody's been able to take. And, and uh, it could be here for the long haul, hopefully. Yeah, that, that's what they're hoping. They're, they're, they're talking about a 10, maybe even 20 year plan down the road with the coaching staff. So um, I know he hits home. He hits right at home with a lot of Vanderbilt people and, and, uh, you know, we're going to be talking a lot more football, obviously. Uh, but, Coach, thanks, thanks for taking your time, obviously, uh, on the basketball front. And, uh, you know, hopefully with Pippen coming back, we'll, we'll have some a uh, little bit more good things to talk about with Vanderbilt basketball. Can't wait. Thanks, Billy. Appreciate it. Well, that does it for Episode 94 of The Door Report. Huge thanks to our special guest, Coach Ron Bargatze. It's always great to catch up with one of the Nashville coaching legends here in the area with many different local stops, but more importantly, his time coaching under Roy Skinner for the Vanderbilt Commodores on West End. For myself, Billy Derrick, my co-host, Will Byram, and our special guest, Ron Bargatze, you've been listening to episode 94 of The Door Report, powered by Alaco Fine Wood Floors.